just to give you a very quick update on my journey. Um, this, as a result of the surgery, they had a little complication in that they irritated uh, a nerve in my back during the surgery, and uh, it resulted in a lot of pain in my inner right leg, especially around the knee area, and that's what they've been working on. I had a, an injection in my back, to, uh, I would call a pain blocker, to try to eliminate it, and it helped somewhat to the point that now at least I can wear pants. Prior to that, that's a very bad picture, I want to get out of your mind, but prior to that I was, wasn't wearing pants. <laughs> uh, I wasn't running around naked. I, ha I had to roll up my sleeve in the house uh, just because nothing could really even touch my skin. But thank the Lord, uh, we're at the point where at least I can come back and uh, be before you and bring you God's word. And uh, the back is doing uh, pretty good. Uh, and to the measure that, as you can see, I have a golf club in my hand. I used to play golf, and Pastor Joey felt it would be so appropriate for you to show you my swing, even though the doctor said I can't bend and I'm not supposed to twist. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you this morning about my journey as a golfer. Uh, many years ago, I took up the game, and uh, like a lot of golfers, I taught myself uh, to, to play golf, and I wasn't that good, but I, I really had the desire to, do, uh, to play well, so I went to a pro and I started taking lessons. And after three lessons, the pro looked at me and said, boy, your swing is pretty good, you got the basics down, I don't want to take any more of your money, here's what you need to do if you want to get better at playing golf. You have to go to the driving range twice a week, and you have to play a round of golf on Saturday. If you do that every week, you will see a significant improvement in your golf game. So I went home and decided there's no way that I'm going to go to the driving range twice a week and play as well. Now, he had told me, if you don't do that, then you're going to have to settle for the fact that you're going to be a terrible golfer. <laughs> and when you go out, just have fun with your friends because you're not going to play well. So I decided to settle for being a terrible golfer. And I, believe me, I was. And then I realized something as I thought about that and preparing for this message, that Every single one of us in this room and those watching on the internet, in some area of our lives, we all tend to settle for less. In other words, we tend to settle for less, especially if what we want to achieve requires more work or harder work. And we look at that and we say, Man, the price is too big to pay, so we settle for less. Let me give you another example. Uh, I, prior to my operation, I was going to uh, a therapist that was also a personal trainer, so I would go to 
his gym, if you want to call it that. And while he was working on me, there would be other people working there. And there I uh, got to know somebody that would go there three times a week and go to work out for one hour. And they looked in tremendous shape. And I realized that could be me. In addition to being handsome, I could have this incredible physique. But as you can tell, I realized that's too big of a price to pay. To work out three times a week and be disciplined in my eating and give up Oreos, I settled for less. And so this is what I am. <laughs> I am saying all that because this tendency to settle for less often also infiltrates into our spiritual journey. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open up to the book of Joshua in chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23 in the Old Testament. The verses are coming up on your screen. Listen to verse 1. The years passed, and the Lord had given the people of Israel rest from all their enemies. Joshua, who was now very old, called together all the elders, leaders, judges, and officers of Israel. And he said to them, I am now a very old man. You have seen everything the Lord your God has done for you during my lifetime. The Lord your God has fought for you against your enemies. I have allotted to you as your homeland all the land of the nations yet unconquered. Say that with me, yet unconquered. As well as the land of those we have already conquered. From the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, this land will be yours. For the Lord your God will himself drive out all the people living there now. You will take possession of their land just as the Lord your God promised you. So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Make sure you do not associate with other people still remaining in the land. Do not even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. For the Lord has driven out great and powerful nations for you, and no one has been able to defeat you. Each of you will put to flight a thousand of your enemies, for the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised so be very careful to love the Lord your God. All right. So let's recap what we just read. Uh, for those of you that are new to your Bible, God has promised his people uh, to give them a specific area of land. It's called the promised land. As he delivered the people from the nation of Egypt and they began this journey toward the promised land, uh, Joshua was called upon by God to lead the people now as they began entering the promised land. And as they began conquering uh, nation after nation, they began taking possession of this promised land, the land God had swore to give them. But now as 
we have just read, the years have passed. Israel has battled, taken possession of some of the promised land. Joshua, their leader, is now, by his own words, a very old man. So he calls all the leaders together and tells them and declares to them, there is still unconquered land. In other words, we have not taken possession of all the land that God had promised them. So recognizing that to continue to conquer this land, they will still need to continue to fight. But Joshua reminded them, God has defeated every one of your enemies in the past. No matter how strong, how large their armies were, God has given you victory after victory after victory. So now, remember that because as you fight, God will continue giving them the victory because he has promised you this land. Now, fast forward to history, looking back, Israel to this date has never, ever taken full possession of the land that God had promised them. They chose to stop fighting and they settled for less than what God had promised. Now, what does that have to do with you and I here today? Let's apply this to our life. Let's remind ourselves and remember that when we read the Old Testament especially, a lot of the Old Testament is symbolic. Much of what we read that took place physically symbolizes the spiritual. For instance, the promised land symbolizes a place of great spiritual blessing that God has for his people. Now, who are his people today? Well, his people are are called Christians. Now, Christians are not people that are associated with a specific religion. Christians are not people that consider themselves uh, morally good. Christians are people who have recognized that they are sinful by nature, and they require forgiveness for their sin. But they recognize that God loved them so much that he provided a way for their sins to be forgiven through the sacrifice of his son Jesus Christ on the cross. And Christians have recognized that, and they have embraced that by asking the Lord to forgive them of their sin and to now enter their life by his spirit and to lead and guide them. They submit, they yield to God's direction in their life. Thus, they are called Christians, followers of Christ. And every single one of us who is a Christian, a follower of Christ, we have our own promised land, that place of spiritual blessing that God had promised for all of us. Now, that promise is for us individually. That promise is for us uh, as who have a family. For instance, all you dads that are Christians, the promise of God's spiritual blessing not just, it doesn't just apply to you personally. It applies to your family. This promised land, all of this place of spiritual blessing applies to us corporately as a church. God has a place of spiritual blessing for the family at Belmont. Now, 
Remember, this Christian journey is simply you and I experiencing the promised land, the spiritual blessing. Now, initially, when we surrender our hearts to the Lord and we embrace Christ as our Savior, oftentimes we have a, 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 a great joy. This journey begins with great joy. We're so happy that God has forgiven us of our sin. We're ecstatic about that. We love the Lord. We love that the Lord loves us. And we also... Uh, Discover a community. What that, what that church isn't just about coming in and, and, and pl- pu- punching our ticket for an hour, hour and a half, and then going home. But we discover relationships and we realize, man, church is about being in a part of a family. And all of that is great initially. But you see, to continue to grow spiritually, to experience more of this promised land, We have to fight. God gave the promise to the children of Israel. All you see there, here's the border. It's all yours. But they still have to fight. And there are spiritual battles that we have to fight in order to receive and experience all that God has purposed and planned for our lives. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 18. I want to look at a couple of verses there. Uh, in verse 18. So if you can put that up onto the screen, it says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking to his followers. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Next verse, we look at, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, My Father in heaven will do it for you. That's where the prayer meeting comes in. Next. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5, as we read there. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Give me my next verse. For the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have what? Divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I, these few verses that I've, I, that I've given you uh, demonstrates that Jesus gave us this incredible promise. Whatever you ask for, I will do. With two gather and ask, but my Father in heaven will bless you, will give you that thing. It's an incredible promise of God. It's called prayer, Right? This is the weapon that we fight with. We don't fight with arguments. We don't fight with uh, petitions. We do spiritual warfare through prayer. That's a powerful weapon. Notice Corinthians says it can pull down strongholds. You see. In other words, we fight to obtain the spiritual blessings that God have promised for us. In other words, let's do it personally. 
When I pray for myself, I, got, I need to recognize there are incredible blessings that God wants to release into my life, that God wants me to experience, but I have an adversary who is in possession of that place, who is withholding that, who is fighting me from not receiving that. So as I pray for myself, then through that prayer, God is the one who gives the victory. Remember, God, uh, Joshua told the children of Israel, as you go and fight, remember, God is going to give you the victory. So we battle, but it's God who brings the victory. So as we pray, and as I, as, as I pray, say, God, there's this thing in my life that is keeping me from experiencing the blessing you have, that as I pray, God breaks that thing in the spirit well and releases the blessing in my life. Yes, amen. As we pray for our families, we, gotta, we need to recognize the key to having a great family is found in prayer. No matter what the situation is, is in the family, if you and I will give ourselves over to prayer, fathers, I want to encourage you, don't be intimidated. Don't believe the devil's lie that you cannot pray. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless your family. And I'm going to encourage you as the head of the home, take the lead. I recognize I'm going to pray a blessing in my wife's life. I'm going to pray a blessing in my children's life. I'm not going to believe God for great things for my family because that's what God promised me. But I got to pray. This, the blessing is there. But are we willing to pray? Are we willing to set that time aside? You see. And God has incredible plans for Belmont. There's things, spiritual blessings that you and I can't even imagine what God wants to do in this place. But it requires us to pray. That's why we are dedicated, we're committed to setting aside Tuesday night in the Spanish ministry to pray. Wednesday night, I know it's the middle of the week. I know it's not a, a, the, the thing to do uh, for in most people's lives. But you see, I will not release this promise. I will not let go what Jesus said. If two or three gather together, there I will be in their midst. And whatever you ask, I will do. If there's been any blessing that you have received in this church, it's because they're the people who gather faithfully every Wednesday to pray. That prayer is what caused God to release the blessing, you see. No matter where you and I are at in our spiritual journey, whether individually, as a family, or as corporately, listen, there is still unconquered land. What am I saying? What I'm saying is this, that the Lord has so much more for us to experience spiritually. None of us have re has reached the pinnacle of spiritual blessing that God has promised us. God has so much blessings prepared for you still in your life. No matter where you are. I, I've been saved over 30 years. There's still incredible blessings that God has purpose and plan for my life. And God has the same thing for your life. 
But now we get to the crux of the situation. Because I think we're very much like the children of Israel. Meaning that in spite of all of God's incredible promises that God wants you and I to experience, we often settle for less. Maybe it's because we just have difficulty fighting. We're just not good in our own eyes at prayer. And we realize, man, it's just so much work. It's just easier to settle. It's easier to settle. Sometimes it's because we feel that it's not for us. Meaning, those spiritual blessings are reserved for special people. Those places of great blessing, that's reserved for people uh, who are pastors or whatever, or who are really spiritual. I'm, I'm not really a spiritual person. Listen, you can believe the devil's lie, or you can fight today. You can believe that God doesn't have these special blessings prepared for you, or, or you can fight. You can get to the point where you can say, you know what, I am tired of my life just as it is. I'm, I'm not willing to settle for less than what God has promised me. Listen, you and I can't settle for less than what God has promised us. Come on, look at your neighbor, tell them we can't settle for less. Now, I want to talk to you very quickly in the next two few minutes about just laying out three things that I think will help us in our spiritual battle to possess this unconquered land, all these incredible blessings that God has prepared for all of us. Three things. Number one, listen, we need to fully obey God's word. Why do I say that? Look at what Joshua said in verse 6. Let's put verse 6 back up there again. What did Joshua say? Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or to the left. Follow everything that Moses wrote down in the book. Joshua wanted them to know, number one, the number one reason why you and I wind up settling for less than what God has purpose and plan for our life is because we begin to deviate from the book. We make a decision what we like, what we don't like. We want what we want to follow, what we don't want to follow. And Joshua knew that that would be a trap. That would be a, a pitfall for, for the people of God, that they would never be able to move and conquer the land if they started picking and choosing where they were going to obey. And we live in such a time and place where people feel that they have the right to, to form their own religion, if you will, their own perspective of what is acceptable before God or not. This is the guidance for you and I. It has never uh, changed and it never will. God has laid out for you and I all that he desires for us to do, how he desires and purpose for us to live. And if we 
will choose that, then the blessings will flow in our life. But if we deviate from God's word, ultimately, you will wind up settling for less. So number one, we need to fully obey God's word. Number two, we need to build right relationships. Look at verse 7, as, as we look what, what Joshua told them then. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. He was talking about relationship. There are people in the land that you cannot build relationships with. Why? Because if you build relationships with them, they will ultimately bring you down. They will lead you down the wrong path. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, don't fool yourselves. Bad friends will destroy you. Don't fool yourself. What is that talking about? It's talking about who is in your crowd. What's the, what's the old word, posse? Who's part of your posse? Is there, what's the new word, guys? Help me out here. Is there a new word? Squad? Squad. All right, good. I'm up to date now. I'm up to date. Who's in your squad? You're good. Get them all messed up. Who's part of your circle in life that has an influence on your life? Everybody that you have in your squad, in your, who, in your sphere, the people that you call friends, the people that you hang out with, they influence your life. So the question I have for you is, do the people that you associate with encourage you to fight for the unconquered land that God has still for you to experience? Or do they influence you to settle for less? Oh, yeah. I'm, even talk, I'm not talking about even unbelievers now. I'm talking about Christians. Yeah. I re, let me reflect back to a time when I was golfing again. I had to... Uh, Two other guys that I would go golfing with occasionally. Uh, one of them, my wife and I are godparents to his son. And we were on the tee, waiting to tee off. And we were just talking because it wasn't our turn yet. And he began to talk to me about church. And, and I was telling him the things that I was involved in in the church. And he looked at me. He's a Christian now. And he told me, you should never be that involved in church. That will burn you out. And I looked at him, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe what he said, first of all. And then I said this. And I told him, David, I'd rather burn out for Jesus than come to church and do nothing. So I told him. In other words, listen, he was trying to influence me to tell me it's okay to come to church and do nothing. And when you come to church and do nothing, you don't experience the blessing 
that God has purpose and plan for your life. Because let me tell you something. There's, there's an incredible blessing that awaits you when you open your heart and say, I am going to serve others. You see, serving in a ministry, in the parking light ministry, in the sound or the media or the, with the children, wherever it is, it's not about you. It's about others. And you're serving others. And when you do that faithfully, there's a blessing that God brings into your life. And some of you have settled for less because you feel this is enough to come and sit. The only problem with that is whenever you and I settle for less, that's the avenue by which it draws us further and further away from God. God's people, the children of Israel, settled for less. They didn't remove the people. They got tired of fighting. They didn't want to fight anymore. So let's just let them live there. And the very people that they let live there were the ones that led them to start worshiping other gods. You see, in the beginning, they did it. That's not going to happen. We're, we're cool. They do their thing. We do our thing. And that's how it always starts. You know, I hang out with my friend. Hey, you know, they do their thing. I do. I'm okay. You know, I'm just here to try to minister to them about Jesus. Keep hanging out long enough with them and see what happens. I had a friend that would go to the bar to minister to his friends. And I would tell him, are you kidding me? There are other places that you can meet them to minister to them. You think you're going to minister to people in a bar? And then one day the bartender looked at him and said, what are you doing here? This is not the place for you. And he realized there was no testimony he had here. There was no influence that he had here. And sometimes we think that we're so spiritual that we can hang out in the wrong place with the wrong crowd and not be influenced. And the Bible says, don't fool yourself. Bad friends destroy your life. It sounds harsh, but what, what is it really saying? Here's what the Bible really means by that. If you want to experience all the spiritual blessings that God has for your life, then you have to surround your life with people who want to experience God's blessings as well. You have to hang out with people who want to pray. I, I can tell you the people that have the most influence in my life and my spiritual journey that have helped me are people that, man, they just wanted to get after God. And when I'm around them, I want to get after God. And, and that's what, how they began to influence my, my, not just myself, but my wife. And so as, as, a, as a family, we, God moved us into a deeper place of spiritual blessing because we surrounded ourselves with the right people, with people who were hungry for God. So let me finish this up. So number one is fully obey God's word. Number two, you got to build right relationships. Don't be one of those people that just come in and then go home. You come in at, at, at 10.05, and then you leave at 10.20. I, I haven't even said, God bless you yet, dismissing, and you're already gone. And nobody really knows you. Number three, listen. 
cling tightly to God. Let's put verse 8 on the, on the screen. Verse 8, please. There you go. Rather, cling tightly to the Lord your God as you have done until now. In Psalm 63, verse 8, the Bible says this, I cling to you. That was David. Your strong hand holds me securely. This word cling there in both places just means to follow hard after God. It's believed that David penned this when he was on the run because his own son was trying to kill him. And David, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, I'm clinging to God. I'm clinging to God. Worship team, if you come, listen to me. Some battles to get into that place of spiritual blessing that God has marked out for your life are really going to be intense. Some battles are going to take all that you have, and they're going to rage for a while. And it's going to take holding on to God, clinging on to God, and not letting go. In other words, clinging tightly to God means this. No matter what is going on in my life, I am not going to let go of God. No matter what is happening, I'm going to believe God. Why? Because God promised me that he would bring me into this place of spiritual blessing. God promised me that, and God is not a man that he should lie, and God has never failed. And like Joshua told the people, I remember everything that God has done in the past for my life. So if God brought me through then, why will God not bring me through now? I'm going to cling on to God. I'm not going to let go. These three things will help you and I to get to that place of spiritual blessing. I don't know about you, but lately, this message, which God gave me weeks ago, and I wanted to come sooner to to share it with you, but I guess it had to really uh, take deep root in my heart. I'm tired of settling for less. I'm tired of giving the devil the place of blessing that God has marked out for me. I'm tired of believing the lies that it's not for me, it's for somebody else. I'm tired of, of, of settling and saying, well, this is the way it has been and this is the way it's always going to be. I want to experience everything that God has marked for me. And I want God to move in all of our lives so that you, we all experience it individually. I want God to move in such a powerful way so that our families are blessed. I want God to move in such a way so that this place becomes a place of great spiritual blessing. But I realize I got to fight. I got to fight. And to do that, to fight well, I got to make sure that I'm obeying everything that God has marked out in his word. That I'm surrounding myself with other people who are tired of settling for less and want to seek after God and get after God with me. 
And no matter what happens, I'm going to cling on to God. I'm going to cling on to God. If you're in that place where you are tired of settling for less, and you want today to be a day where you take a new step into that promised land and say, well, Pastor, by God's grace, we're going to all fight together. We're going to battle. We're going to recognize. We're going to align our, our life up with God's word. We're not going to deviate from God's word. We're going to build the right relationships. We're going to cling on to God. And together, as individually, as a family, and as a church, we are going to press on to this unconquered land, the spiritual blessings that we have yet to experience. <laughs>